So this is all going to get captured at the beginning of the pod. This is what's going to be on on YouTube. This is what's going to be on on uh, Spotify. This is this is fantastic content as Coomer here troubleshoots. Let's let's let me just ponder by myself here for a second about about Nick Van Exel. Good day and welcome to the Cincy Slangin' Bearcat Podcast. I'm Coomer, joined as always by Hummer. Hummer, what's up, buddy? We have two individuals I want to call out here. We got Sauce Gardner and we got Nick Van Exel, both now eligible to be Bearcat head coaches in the future. It is a great day to be a Cincinnati Bearcat fan. The controversy is gone, right? He he went and he got he got his degree. He finally graduated from the University of Cincinnati. Um, so we can lay that that the that the, the bed. Next coaching change, if there is one, because Wes Miller is going to be a legend here. Uh, multiple national championships in his future. We can put that controversy to bed. But it was so cool seeing. I don't know if I'd be annoyed if I'm Sauce Gardner or if I'd, I'm flattered, but during the graduation ceremony, someone walked up to him while he was sitting on the in the chair, you know, as names were getting called, and got his Jets jersey signed. I'm like, that's a pretty ballsy move. <laughs> I mean, you're not going to have another chance, most likely. It seems I mean, you're like- not, but at the same time, like that's like a you know, that's someone's like life event that you're interrupting. It's not just a dinner at a steakhouse. It's a life event that sauce gardener is going through. And you had the balls to just walk up to him and say, Hey, I know this is, you know, one of the, you know, one of the, a crowning achievement, one of the achievements of your life. I don't say crowning, but a great achievement in your life. And please take some time to sign my jets Jersey. Sauce loves it. I don't think <laughs> I've never seen sauce. <laughs> turn away attention i've never seen sauce regret the attention or begrudge it sauce is into it he doesn't mind one bit and frankly you look at the university's celebra- celebration about that graduation over the weekend sauce's picture was all over it cincinnati loved having sauce gardner back graduating nick van exel too yeah, that- obviously um great to see him back on campus great to see him get the degree you're right there's no longer any sort of arbitrary administrative hindrance to hiring Nick Van Exel in the future should that day arise. But it's a good way to start the podcast. Congratulations, Nick Van Exel. Congratulations, Ahmad Sauce Gardner, for your graduations over the weekend. Hummer, it's been a while since we recorded a podcast, and I don't know how to work the technology anymore. Appreciate you (laughs) carrying us through that. Should you, uh, did you say it's a great day to be a Bearcat? I did. Uh, when we were in the lobby at first, I think I was still backstage before you before you let me on stage, and you're sitting there going, "It's been eighty four years," <laughs> and that about yeah. sums it up. Fe- it felt like right eighty four years, but you know what? Yeah, a, a nice a nice refresh for the Cincy Slang and Podcast. Re-energized the batteries, recharged, 
decompressed. Things have changed. A lot of things have changed since we last re- recorded a podcast. Do you want to play a game where we just go back and forth and name things that have changed since we last recorded a podcast? Let's start off with some things that haven't changed. The conference in which Memphis still resides. <laughs> the track record of donning Xavier across your chest and not making a Final Four. Ooh. Rose. Rose. That's early. You're better. That's early. You're better than Ouch. that, Rose. You're better. <laughs> Hummer, it's good to uh, see you, buddy. It's good to see you. And and we are going to leave the rough cut in here. We're going to just let it ride. We're going to continue the podcast and see where this leads us. I think it's a fitting time for the Cincy Slangin podcast to go back on the airwaves or back on the interwebs. Uh, simply because it's it's a wonderful time to be a Brett Yormark fan, and since this guy showed up in Fort Dude, that Worth, that guy's good looking. That is a good looking guy. <laughs> Big Twelve. Where's the corporate office? Is it Fort Worth? I'm surprised he hasn't moved it yet. You know, and it just seems like it would be such a Brett Yormark thing to do. Move it to a a new state, new. You know, move something that's been established somewhere uh, and just carry it across state lines. But you know what? Instead of moving the HQ, which I believe it is, I actually have no idea where it's at. It's in in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. I think it might technically be in Irving, Texas. But since he's shown up in those offices, the guy sitting next to me on this video that's posted on YouTube on the Catskeller Social Club page for anybody who's interested Hummer, you've been one of the strongest advocates for Brett Yormark since he showed up. And my God, he's delivered. Well, you know, sometimes you you get to accept the prestigious 50-50 award uh, where, you know, this is it's an honor that, that this gets bestowed upon me where I finally got something right. Uh, hiring Brett Yormark was, uh, was, was, a, was a home run. And it stems from my me being excited about him at first was his experience with the NBA, with sports in general, with TV contracts, with broadcasts, with Rock Nation, right? A lot of things there. You know, he's old enough that he has experience, but he's still tied into being young enough that it's hip. You know, and it doesn't hurt that he's one of those men who are uh, not unlike yourself, bald but extremely good looking. Thank you, sir. Thank you. I think I, yeah. I, 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 there's a there's a meager attempt to restore some of the uh, beauty that was once bestowed upon my head. It's not going so well. But, um, you know, one thing that has changed, we didn't play the game where you go back and forth seeing what's changed since we last recorded a podcast. But the the Big 12 Conference is now up to 16 teams since we last recorded a podcast. Colorado jumped ship first. They were like, you know what? No reason to wait. Uh, Pac-12 hasn't been great to us since we left the Big 12. Let's go back to those once green pastures. And then soon after that, the Pac-12 disintegrated. Oregon State, Washington State, Stanford, and Cal were left out in the cold. Boy, do we know how that feels. And the Big 12 welcomed Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah to the fold to bring the conference total to 16 teams effective next season. 
what say you next season. What, what say you about these additions specifically? How do you feel about the four teams, the four corners that were added to the Big 12 conference? If I'm if if I'm remembering correctly, the the structure of the deal that 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 BY was able to negotiate for the conference included a rider an escalation clause. <laughs> B, we're just calling a BY now. <laughs> yeah, BY, BY comes in and and this deal that he negotiated, I believe, has an escalation clause that for every P five school you bring into the conference, the revenue share increases uh, proportionally. So it's it's the same. Uh, which is great for those schools. Uh, but what I like about the move is that it wasn't, it was an example of someone being aggressive and not just sitting still and letting things see where they won, wanted to fall. You know, the, the annoying part about it is you have Arizona and Arizona state and, you know, with, Oh, our love for the PAC 12 and, you know, two presidents who seem to be, have been in this whole process reactionary and not proactive and wanting to see what's going on. And we've seen that time and time again, we're being reactionary in the conference expansion conversation results in, in pain for the conference that is sitting around waiting for things to happen. We as Cincinnati fans have seen that time and time again, that when you're not proactive, you get left out in the cold. Memphis gets left out in the cold. Cincinnati moves on to the big 12. Brett BY goes out when the Pac-12 is at its weakest and poaches Colorado, who may not have been the, the fanciest name there, but I think he brings up a good point that they're very good at brand strategy. They, they're, they're doing a really good things with their brand. You're seeing, look, bringing Prime in is just an example of getting the brand out there. Everybody knows Prime's name. People are going to wear, wear the Colorado hat just because, of, just because of its association with Coach Prime. You're bringing him in, and I think that was also a savvy move because they're a school that needs money. And they needed bad and they can't, they couldn't just sit and wait for something to say, Hey, maybe, maybe we'll get paid more if we do X, Y, and Z. It's no, we're guaranteed to get paid. You always take the guaranteed money. Always take it. Uh, do you think so brings- there's a couple of elements I want to chat about? Because I think we could get into the specifics of the four schools from the PAC 12 that have been added to the conference and the merits of those schools, whether or not it's okay that we added two different Arizona schools I'd like we to get your. Two, I'd like two Utah schools, and now we have two Utah schools as well. I'd like to get your take on on that situation specifically. But before we do, big picture, your mark was hired June twenty seventh, two thousand twenty two, and then you see reporting from Pete Thamel on ESPN on October thirtieth, two thousand twenty two, that the Big Twelve nears a six-year, $2.28 billion TV extension deal with ESPN and Fox. So within four months of taking that job and becoming the commissioner of the Big 12, Yormark had a TV deal in place. And early on, back in October, November, you see the speculation about the the merits of that deal, whether or not it's going to look small or like he, you know, maybe cashed in his chips too early when when the Pac-12 comes in with their deal. Since then, that deal has aged incredibly favorably, at least from my layman perspective. Do you think that was, you know, a calculated maneuver by Brett and, and something that was sort of part of the master plan as he took over the conference back in 2022 in the summer? 100%. Go back to his experience with, with what he's done. He's 
he's had experience with 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 NBA rights, MLB rights. He's the one who negotiated the sponsorship deal for for Nextel when it was the Nextel Cup with 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 NASCAR. You have to it, you you have to have value attached to your conference, and by securing that deal, it puts the number. It gives the conference value. What the Pac-12 lacked was value because as of 2024, they have zero value. They don't. Ha- they didn't have a partnership in. And that's scary for a lot of schools. And that's where that instability comes from. Washington State University, I didn't get the exact figures here, but has spent millions of dollars in taking loans in the tune to millions of dollars to revamp their stadium are going to go from making potential from in that area of, you know, 20, $30 million a year in revenue. They're going to get four in the Mountain West. Four million dollars. That's going to be detrimental to that school. It's it's going to be you know their their coach I mean, detrimental uh, might be underselling it right detrimental I mean it might be a kill shot yeah I mean I don't know I don't know how you come from that how you how you come back from that you know you're going to I don't know I honestly don't know the financial landscape of how you deal with that kind of blow imagine if right after the University of Cincinnati finished you know building the the renovations to Nippert right? hundred million dollars or whatever it was, renovations to Nippert. And instead of getting, even with the AAC and getting our $7 million a year, we get pushed back to the Mac and we get, you know, a million dollars a year. It would be detrimental to what the university was trying to build and go forward to. And you'd have to, we'd have to take, luckily Cincinnati's not in that situation, but it's, it's sad. I do think, though, that Brett Yormark, getting back to your point, he got the conference value and he was able to sell that value to another institution. And he kind of hinted all along. He's, we're out in October, but I think we were hearing reports as, as early as you know January, February, that they were targeting the Arizona school. Like This isn't a secret who he was going after. It's not like he's been quiet and being shy about this. He wasn't being coy he's like no I'm, i want to expand and he wants basketball brands i think if we've noticed anything that's also what he's been trying to do is that's bring in that's basketball that's brands. certainly the next step and maybe what we get into from a speculation standpoint these schools that we did lock in so the 16 schools we have and the brands that we're adding to the conference how what's your interpretation of how and who he decided to target is it simply you know Oregon and Washington are in a different tier because they're being pursued or more attractive to the big 10 and we can't necessarily fight as, as well there. I think Oregon and Washington, if you look at the specifics on their terms in the short term, there's not a huge monetary benefit to those schools making the jump to the big 10. I assume their move is more targeting the long term and being a part of that conference as future TV deals are negotiated beyond the first few years in the conference uh tell me what you think about this mr smart businessman uh let's take arizona you know everybody knows the arizona basketball brand no doubt about it right that they're not quite a blue blood but they're as close as you get the arizona's a fucking blue blood my guy arizona's a blue blood in basketball they hired sean miller they're not they're not a fucking blue blood arizona all right they have red blood all over their hands. If you're Fuckers. if you're a school I think about in the 90s, like peak, if you're 
Arizona's peak 90s. And to me, if you dominate in the 90s, you're likely a blue blood. So I like your thinking there, because then Cincinnati, we're, we're blue blood. We're anointing Correct. us now. Welcome to the club. Um, but no, I, you're, it's a great basketball brand, regardless of blue blood, whatever. It's a great basketball brand. Arizona State is its cousin that's kind of attractive. Arizona State feels like the throw in. It feels like the school that we just sort of had to take. Although, yeah, like what's the value? Like terrible. Colorado was the first the first mover in this whole situation. Some would say like before before the whole Pac-12 implosion happened, if you were going to poke fun at what the Big 12 is doing, it was like, cool, you took our our scrap heap like you took the the school that was constantly the doormat of the conference. Why are we like this school doesn't because, even know how to afford the coach they just hired? Why are we concerned because, about this? Because by picking them off, you have to replace Colorado with who? You know, like who is, I guess, in this part, more valuable from a brand perspective than than the crown jewel of Colorado. Right. Like, so I'm sitting here. That's why you go and do it. But I think it's more strategic long term, especially when you hear that Gonzaga has been in conversations with the Big 12. UConn has been in conversations with the Big 12. And not only that, we're starting to hear reports that UConn isn't really even being considered as a full member just basketball. Yep. So you're bringing on if, if hypothetically this would be like seriously giving me major, a major hard on <laughs> thinking about having a basketball conference that contains Kansas, Arizona, Gonzaga, Yukon, Cincinnati. Like, come on. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm excited to play. That is, an entertaining league that it won't rival the NBA, but God damn, that's going to be fun. If, if it's, that's not a second tier, I'm thinking about it this way. Brett Yormark isn't trying to position big 12 basketball as like, he's trying to position it as college basketball. You only go to college basketball to watch college basketball in the big 12. If the sec is trying to do that for football, he's trying to do that for basketball. Yeah, and fo- and basketball doesn't drive the conversation. It doesn't drive the dollars in terms of what's happening in conference realignment. But I think your mark seems to be betting on, hey, you can't just leave this incredible asset of a basketball conference out in the cold. And so if we acquire all of these, you know, immaculate brands and you're putting UConn and and Baylor and Arizona and Texas Tech and Cincinnati and Kansas like this is we have all of these schools in one conference every season competing against one another we are March Madness motherfuckers and I think he's looking at it as 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 dominoes continue to fall here because realignment's not done this is sort of phase what two three we're going through right now and then there's going to be a, a greater, a great consolidation even further. And I think your Mark's trying to figure out how the big 12 stays there's relevant be, amidst that further shuffling. Am I, am I reading that correctly? I think you're right. Here's, here's my, here's my way too early prediction. The ACC is going to, at some part be torn apart because of greed. And it's going to be three super conferences of 22, 24 teams each and they're going to get rid of the at-large bid for March Madness 
for the most part. Like it's going to basically the be skipper, these three. Yeah, the skipper theory is going to come to life. It's coming to life. This is what it is. And it's going to be these three conferences. And Brett Yormark is trying to position us as the premier basketball conference to get the biggest chunk of that pie. Because that's a large pie. It is. It is a large pie. And can I just say, it feels good to be in our in a conference right now. It feels like we're we're watching the movie, eating popcorn, uh, even you know potentially getting a refill at this point. Like we're we're feeling real good right uh, now. And if you if you would have, you could change a few different things. But if if things break differently for us over the past several years, and we're outside looking in, I can't I can't even fathom what our mindset is right now. I can't fathom, you know our emotional health, our mental well-being, what the discord would look like. like. It would just be an absolute shit show. Like, I, I know what you mean, because I'm going to just keep picking on Memphis because they're so fun to pick on. You go back and like we they're literally what we're what we fear sitting on the outside, looking in, thinking that their brand was so big, so awesome that anybody would be be more than happy to have them and yet not a single you know realignment has 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 them even mentioned and not only are we sitting here like up top of the the mountain at the moment you know being all high and mighty we got to be a part of the conference like that that shot the dagger into the Pac-12 who was what four or five years ago in a position to absolutely destroy the big 12. Did we shoot the dagger? Did the big 10 with the Oregon and Washington move? And did we just piss on the grave? Uh, I actually think all this, if I'm thinking about how all these conversations had, had to go, Arizona went first, right? They, they joined before Oregon post the post Colorado departure. So the big 10 though also gets, I mean, they took UCLA and USC. Which is honestly That's definitely the start. That is the start for the Pac-12, and so the Big Ten. Yeah, the Big Ten is is the one who's going to jail or the one who's got off scot free, um, and I think we're just sort of you know. No, no, they don't. They don't get off scot free. I don't think they deserve any punishment. I, they do get off scot free. We're necrophobes. Is it, is it called a necrophobe where we're just like playing with? <laughs> is the that what it's called? <laughs> I just don't think that. I don't think it's. I hear. I've heard so many people say like, oh. This is this is gonna be so bad for college sports. Oh, it's so bad for for football. Like regional this, regional that. And I'm like, at the end of the day, ninety nine percent of college football teams are still not playing for a national championship. Every year, ninety nine percent of the teams are not gonna be playing for a national championship. In the Big Twelve, our own conference, maybe one team is probably maybe gonna be playing for a national championship. In reality, there's seven, six schools, six yeah, schools playing for a national one championship. One team is playing for a national championship, but even when they are literally playing for the national championship, TCU, you're not actually <laughs> playing for the national championship. <laughs> right. Like as they expand it so more teams can get access, you know, maybe it's gonna help the talent flow outwards a little bit in term like kind of maybe I'd say the way in the NCAA basketball arena, I think opening up the tournament making the at-larges TV exposure to the smaller guys has kind of expanded the talent pool away from just, you know, a, a, a group of six basketball schools, right? You have great basketball all over the country, but with football, it's still 12 teams. I still think it's just going to be the 
power there is so concentrated at the top. And I think it's going to continue to be that way for, for a very long time. So I don't, I don't really think this is going to make college football any worse because at the end of the day, I'm looking at it from a UC fan, right? This got better for us. We're going to play better teams. Everything's and better. Everything's better. Everything's right now, better. Right? I, I could have better. a, there's a different conversation to be had about what college sports looks and feels like these days and whether or not it is as fun or as interesting or, you know, like, is it as enjoyable to do a podcast about it in 2023 as it would have been in 2020? Like, I think even in those three years, there are massive cultural and, and business shifts that have happened that have just made it a completely different sport to talk about. Like us having a 25 minute conversation, 20 minute conversation about the, the, tectonic shifting of conference realignment is now part of college sports. This is just, this is part of it. It's built in. And maybe I was naive for not realizing like that was the reality before, but to me, it's far different than it was. But again, we're sitting Look, Miami, much Ohio more pretty. Like, Youngstown. Yeah. Last season. You're, you're not going to miss that. Youngstown is still going to play Miami and Oregon State can still play other schools regionally. Like, you can still follow your football team. At the end of the day, you still don't have a chance of, of playing for the national championship. It was ridiculous to be a school of our caliber in college football and week to week be talking about, well, what are we going to do against Tulane? How do we stack up against Tulsa? I guess I shouldn't have disrespected Tulane since they kicked their ass. But Tulsa, East Carolina, like, it was an absurd thing to ponder when you're thinking of yourself in the tier of what we now face, which is an upcoming big 12 schedule. That's going to test the shit out of first year coach, Scott Satterfield, who, by the way, made his way to camp higher ground. And I am curious to get, isn't it like TQL higher ground or something now? <laughs> camp higher ground brought to you by TQL. He's, he's starting. That'll his first be $20 first. TQL. You owe us $20. He's <laughs> <laughs> He's starting his first training camp uh, with the Bearcats, his fall camp. And it's, I got to be honest, it's, it's a weird off season, right? There's so many new names. There's so many, there's so few familiar faces. Where are you at right now with Bearcats football, camp higher ground, and just generating enthusiasm for this upcoming football season? I mean, there's a lot of familiar faces on the defense. And that, by all accounts, is going to be where this team is going to thrive. Uh, you know, we got the Godfather, you know, Dante Corleone, going to be out there tearing it up. Juwan Briggs, DJ Taylor. I mean, Deshaun Pace. But the offense is where I'm just like, eh, because when we first brought in Emory Jones, I'm just like, all right, guy who went to Florida, didn't do too hot, went to Arizona State. Didn't do too hot. He played for now Herm. Here. I, I will say this. I'm not usually like look past a mediocre season guy because generally if you do that, yeah. you're, you're probably you're finding ways to make excuses for lackluster performance. However, Herm Edwards was a train wreck. And so I can I can I think I'm looking past that Emory Jones season at Arizona State. All right. Well look look past it all you want. You know, it's it's something where I'm just, I'm going to go back to what I've been. I haven't changed my stance on this since we brought in Scott Satterfield. Yeah, I'll wait and see. Right. I got to start. We got to, I'm glad football season's here. We finally get to see it. 
see if it's going to get put together. I mean, we should have at least one more win on the schedule with Iowa State and in their gambling habits. Uh, you know, so there there's an opportunity here to to at least get bowl eligible in in season one. Um, but by all accounts, my I'm just not I'm not high. I'm not I'm not overly excited and maybe that's just because it comes back to what college football is versus basketball. And that's 99% of teams are not playing for a national championship. I think you're still hung over from the, the high that was the last few fickle seasons and even the hiring process for Satterfield. I think if, if folks want to be honest with themselves, maybe that's what it is. There's no way you come out of that hiring process with Scott Satterfield as the decision. And you're like, hell yeah, got our guy. Nobody felt that way. <laughs> Especially, like, there was an information. We got our guy who couldn't turn around Louisville. There was no information out there. <laughs> there was no legitimate information out there about the coaching search. And I would say the national consensus is that the head coach, Louisville replaced their head coach that chose to leave for a rival about 90 minutes away. And the, their replacement has generally been seen as an upgrade for that program. That's the national perspective, right? You can debate it. You can you can have qualms with it. You can you can say it's BS, whatever the case may be. Every national show, pundit, personality, genius I listen to says that Louisville would be in a better spot now from a coaching perspective. That said, I think it's all it's all just noise. Because when it comes to a football coach, you can look at recruiting rankings and I, you know, there was some early success, but then you also see like recruiting in football is just insanity. You know, guys are committing, they're 110% no committed in football, and then right? they're, and then they're gone, right? The next day, the next week they're taking an official or unofficial visit somewhere else. It's all madness in football. All that matters is what we're seeing on the field, how we're seeing players develop year over year. And so I don't anticipate coming out here in year one and saying, see, told you this is, this is a bad hire because we go 500 or we go, you know, five and seven. I, I, this is something That's you have to evaluate over multiple seasons. Point. And it's a very good point, but there's literally nothing to be hyping right now. Right. I think the what, hype, what the hype your, would be like what, defensively specific players. I do think, Brian Brown is someone as a defensive coordinator I'm very excited about. I think stylistically with our defensive line, that is something that is legitimate and something we can hang our hat on. But every, like, there's so many other wild cards, and it seems like madness to have you know, anything, any kind of big-time expectations on this season. Let, let, me, let me ask you this question then. What is the minimum like what is what is a disaster here like in in my mind 500 is is actually good i'm going to take a 500 season that's not what you said to the gambling gauchos it's what i said to the gambling gauchos and if we could get six and six i've had like i've had like you know i've had some time to re rethink here um that's the take that's but, to me six and six is is, the, is a really disaster, solid season what's the disaster two wins yeah, disaster. Three? A disaster would be like beating EKU, a close nail biter win against Miami, and then you know like one other win. That's a disaster. I'm actually not gonna lie. If we if we lose to Miami, uh, 
if if we give up the bell and then like stop playing in that game like that's <laughs> we just got the lead back in that series let's hang on it took us like 14 straight years to get that back we're not going to the place of even thinking about losing the victory bell okay we're not going there there's nothing to think about well well if that happens that's that's my disaster uh it's that that'd be a disaster but I mean, if we get the six and you know, if we went get six wins, we go and you know, I, th- I think that's okay. It's something to build on, but it's just so depressing to say that that's what I'm going to be okay with. Like that's what I'm going to be. Well, okay you, with. how many seasons running have you been in the? It's thirteen and zero. That's the, that's the expectation. I don't care that we lost Des Ritter, Sauce Gardner, Kobe Bryant in the AAC. I don't care. That is the thirteen and zero. That's sh- the expectation this year. I would expect it this year too if we were in the AAC. I wouldn't be saying in Satterfield's first year I'm exp- I don't have high expectations for him, but at the same time, like we kept talking about, especially with the Fick mentality, that this is he wanted to build a top ten program. That's he's a liar. We know that from other comments he's recently made. Uh, he didn't really care about building this place up, but. Even if it was true and he did, the expectation is that you're going to be winning 12, 13 games a year if you're going to be a top 10 program. That's the expectation. Yeah, and and with the talent we had on our roster in the conference we were playing, I understand the premise you had there, but it also was seemingly ignoring the fact of the, the talent drain we saw to the NFL draft. As you watch the NFL season progress, we saw that that talent was extremely real and incredibly impactful. And the fact that we had to go on the road in the sec and the fact there are a couple strong teams in that conference and that we were seeing a massive downgrade at quarterback and um, there was staff turnover. Like there were just, there were real things there that you just refused to ignore and, or refused to acknowledge and chose to ignore ignore them. You refused to acknowledge and chose to ignore them. Good sir, you are flying. <laughs> you are accusatory. Uh, I mean, I mean, here's the thing. I don't understand. There's a lot of offensive line turnover. Offensive line was not a strength of ours in the American Athletic Conference. That concerns me because I do see Emory Jones as a guy that if we're taking advantage of his legs, he's going to be at his best. If we're making him and trying, if we're trying to make him senior season, Des Ritter. It's not going to go well, all right? Get the guy out of the pocket, on the move, using his legs. And then I look at the running back depth chart with Corey Kiner, Miles Montgomery, Ryan Montgomery as your third, um, and then Ethan Wright's even floating around there. That's a talented backfield, but it doesn't matter if you can't block for them. And even last season, to a large extent, in the American Athletic Conference, we saw, we saw it to be a challenge to block for running backs. And so how this revamped offensive line performs, how Scott Satterfield's, you know, schemes and, and offensive approach enable more openings, right? There's, there's a theory out there and, and a working um, idea that that Satterfield just has a better offensive approach. And, you know, in the same way that Kyle Shanahan does it in the NFL, that his schemes, his blocking style, his, his play calling is going to get more, production out of our running game that's what you have that's what it's going to have to be because we're not going to be a prolific or a dynamic throwing team that's just not going to happen don't talk yourself into it don't buy the hype on on if you know 
if you read Justin Williams' most recent article, for example, it, it's very clear in there, you know, hey, Emory Jones made some good throws in the spring practice, but otherwise in spring, he really struggled throwing the ball. And hey, there were some flashes in the first couple practices of higher ground. That's that's not really that reassuring. If you really read between the lines there, I'm not reading it as though Emory Jones is, is coming here to light the world on fire passing the ball. And so there's such a burden on Satterfield to sort of manufacture running opportunities. And this is in a conference that has, over the last few years, been like a fun and gun conference of high-flying, high-scoring football. Yeah, I mean, I I read that too. And, you know, you only get so much that you can you can pick apart from, you know, the the limited videos we see and, and, and what everybody's saying. And, and that, that's really what leaves me concerned is when we're, when we're saying that, Oh, he struggled, Emory has struggled in, in spring. He's had some flashes to me that screams. We're probably looking at the Emory that has been, and there's not a whole lot of maybe upside that, that we have to look forward to. And that to me is what's worrying because if that's the case, this is going to be a year where we struggle. And, you know, six and six, I think, is where people, you know, get, you know, high. And that's what we, you know, high on. And that, that you know, we said this, well, I'm recently agreeing with you that that would be what a good year is. But I'm honestly wouldn't be surprised if, you know, there's three, four wins this year. I, it wouldn't surprise me. But at the same time, you know, I can't say I would be surprised if we if we won six because I just don't know. I don't know. Um, we don't have I don't have a lot to go on. It's not like I'm a Louisville savant where I'm going back and watching game tape of of Satterfield and what he's done. I don't I don't watch Appalachian State, so I don't know really anything about Satterfield until I start watching him play as a coach of the Bearcat. It's as simple as that. Another tidbit from this Justin Williams article from August second. It was under the heading "What to Expect from Emory Jones." He's got a ton of experience. He's obviously a dual threat that we're looking for. Now, we want the triple threat, the guy who can beat you with his arm, his legs, and his mind, said offensive coordinator Brad Glenn. He's still learning the playbook and getting comfortable with it, but he's got a great football IQ. And once he knows it like the back of his hand, I think he will be that triple threat guy. What do you take away from that quote I just read from Justin Williams' article? You know, there's a good friend of not friend. He's definitely not a friend. He probably doesn't like this podcast in any way, shape or form. Who once said, we're still installing the offense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, still learning the playbook. I, that that line worried me, too. Might be reading too much into it, but again, I'm trying to do a better job of when I see but these things written online. Have. The offensive coordinator is acknowledging that once he learns the playbook like the back of his hand, we're in good shape. Well, it's been several months, right? It's been several months at this point. There's about 30 days left before games begin. I'm assuming it'll ramp up here with practices. Maybe it's much ado, but to me, that could be something, right? That could be something. There were whispers all of last season that Corey Kiner couldn't get rolling because he didn't know the playbook into the season, right? You got to know the playbook. I mean, you you, you have to. like that's you have to be able to do that and if you can't that's a recipe for for disaster you can't just rely on looking to the sidelines you know for for the play call uh especially in some of these environments that you're going into where it's loud commute confusion can happen that's when mistakes happen uh 
so yeah, that does, that's something that gives me pause and yeah, I don't want to keep hearing that, you know, if that's an excuse that we, or something that we hear all, all season, then, you know, we can point back to, you know, spring camp of, of where that, where that's coming from August 2nd, as you said, uh, a mere well, four days if he ago. doesn't, let's say, let's say there is a struggle to, to get into things and you start hearing passive aggressive comments from coaches about, you know, we can't really run our full playbook yet. And we get to go back. We get to revisit the Ben Bryant conversation. That'd be fun. Ooh, that'd be fun. I forget where I sat on that. Did you sit anywhere? I don't know. Um, if I'm looking at it today, you know, with, with the, 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 the van or the, what do they call it? The hindsight glasses on, um, I'd actually would probably enjoy having at least a known commodity here for our, for our first year in the big 12, a known commodity in a bear cat uniform, at least. I think that I was fair in evaluating Ben Bryant but that it seems harsh because he has some of the most forgiving and diehard fans for a mid-tier player in Bearcat history. It does like the, the passion around him outweighs the real life production and performance, but tough break for him. He went to Northwestern and that program is in, is also in shambles at the moment because of, of uh, hazing. And a variety of other things. I mean, I can see how he has fans, man. He, he's another thing. He's a nice dude. <laughs> another another thing that changed since we last recorded a podcast. Evan Prater is a wide receiver now. Another guy who we heard had trouble learning the playbook, but no, that's actually I think that's probably great for him. Uh, I'm excited to see what he can do there. Um, yeah, he's a guy. I, I don't he's know a guy I gave it, right? the benefit like, of the doubt to. I wanted it. to believe in Evan Prater as a quarterback yeah. so hard. I wanted it so badly. And when he came That's out, right. when we he came out the, we after the bench la- late last season in that two lane game, Ben Bryant's on the on the pine injured, and you see him throw like within the first two three passes. Yeah. Hand in hand and head in hands, concerned. I, I just knew that wasn't aging well. So I really hope it works out. I hope we get a little like Antoine Randall L action. But honestly, yeah, I don't even think you're going to get a ton of gadget plays because the arm was very not like, super not reliable. But again, yeah, it's awesome that he's clearly a ride or die Bearcat. He wants to be in Cincinnati and he wants to find a way to contribute so that he can stay here. Like he's going to, I'll change my role. I'll learn a different position because I do want to be in black and red. That does mean something. It's a bit old school. It's a bit um, outside of what we're now accustomed to in this, in the transfer portal era. And so I'm down with it and I'll still ride with, with Evan Prater as a wide receiver. Love it. We'll get, get, we'll get more into, we'll get more into football as the season goes along. I'm sorry. As training camp, training camp progresses. But I did want to give you at least a little bit of time here to talk about the uh, the summer of Wes. Wes, Wes oh, Miller's yes. summer. Talk about my love. Wes Miller's white boy summer. This guy. Did you get, did you get your tattoo yet? That's something we have to talk about. I have to, I have to make that happen. I owe people that. <laughs> I apologize it hasn't happened. 
I'm going to blame it on a broken foot. That's kept me on the pine. Hashtag fired up. It has to happen. He landed. He landed my boy Aziz Bendigo. But Hummer, this guy, <laughs> the way Wes Miller dominates an offseason, I hope he shows the ability to do that during a season at some point because he is bodying. <clears throat> he's bodying these summers. Let's let's go let's go through it real quick. All right, departing. He's losing Kalu, Landers, Mike Adams Woods, Dave DeJulius, Rob Fennessy, Jeremiah Davenport, Jarrett Hensley, replacing them. These are just the we everybody knows the the Ravon and the in the Jizzle James, you know, two two highly rated recruits, uh both four stars from from rival Top sixty ish. Top sixty ish in the in the top one hundred. Yep, top top sixty ish. Uh, you know, by all means, that's a, a solid recruiting class for two freshmen. But bringing in JUCO transfer Davon Thomas, Jamil Reynolds, C.J. Fredericks, Sima Lukosius, and I see Bendigo. Bendigo! <laughs> Absolutely savage recruiting class, I think, and. and use of the transfer portal by Wes. Uh, I particularly like though, that this isn't just, yeah, there's five new, new faces there. Um, but we also got some, some high, highly rated freshmen and he's still going after freshmen too. So you can tell that, you know, he wants to build a core around recruits and supplement with great transfer portal ads. You know what you don't hear a lot of anymore is the weird talking point that existed about Wes Miller not wanting to revamp the roster in troves and wanting stability overall and wanting to maybe, you know, turn over two to three guys in the portal. You don't hear those people begging for those days very much anymore, do you? I mean, I'm not going to lie. Let's go back because I'm probably one of those people. If you're telling me that if we added to this class uh, Flory in 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 this recruiting class that we're looking at here, and then we start pouring in two new freshmen with with a five star thrown in there every the year, am I Flory, gonna... you may have gone. just completely he's gone. You know that, right? We know that. Okay. Yeah, he's gone. That I'm ship is safe. That was the if. It was the if that would have landed. This whole thing is a different story. Right, because he's a guy that's coming in. That's 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 a recruit. We're building off that class. Another five star rolls in the following year, and that's going to continue to happen once you once you start landing those types of guys. So I'm not I'm not saying those guys are disappearing, but I don't know. I think I was one of them. I think. Yeah, I think I, you, I'm I think just saying, like in that, in that boat, it's weird to want roster stability on a team that isn't able to consistently win at a big level in a big way in the American athletic conference, you know, that really wasn't a threat to the likes of a Houston, which is much more reflective of the type of talent and coaching and toughness you're going to see in the big 12. It was weird to me that people wanted to advocate for roster stability with a bad team, right? I'm glad to see, and I know there's a variety of factors at play here, but it, to me, 
and we've seen West continue recruiting in the portal. He didn't always get the guy, but like Kerr Chrissa, when Bob Huggins got canned for, uh, you know, blacking out let's, again. Let's talk about that in a minute. Drunk driving. Let's 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 let's, let's revisit having a few, Bob here at the end. Having as, a few uh, while just a, trying to recycle. Um, <laughs> he was recruiting. Yeah, if Kirk you stay Chrissa, late enough, where was that spot? That spot didn't exist. This is what I mean about West, man. Like the guy. To me, what I learned about him this summer is he is willing to be an absolute killer if it means I'm going to win basketball games or if it means I'm going to increase my chances at winning basketball games. Regarding Flory, the minute we landed Aziz Bandego, you might as well stop mentioning that name to me. Didn't care. <laughs> Didn't care. We got Aziz. We're good. So, so uh, um, actually, I think I knew where I fell, fell on the spectrum because I've always liked that it's – it doesn't seem like Wes is taking a hundred percent. Like the portal is, is God, right? We have Daniel, Dan skillings. We have Josh Reed. He went and got Rayvon Griffin. He went and got, um, yeah, Jizzle James. James. Yes. And then, but we still have a John Newman. We still have a Victor Locke and we still have an Odio Guama. Like, that is in the sense there is some stability there that there's known quantities on this team, but then you're bringing in guys that you know you need because you're lacking those spots with that, that what you have with on the team, for instance, rebounding Aziz monster on the boards guy is aggressive when it comes to rebounding. And he wrecked havoc on us last year in that NIT game. I'm very excited. I, I'm seeing I'm on the same boat with you with how aggressive he is too. And saying, you know what, if a roster spot's not there, we'll find a way to make it work. That's what he's, that's what he's signaling with, with how he's been accro- approaching recruiting in the portal. Um, we get to leave behind this conversation, any conversation we had in the past couple of years with Wes Miller about shortcomings in terms of on-court execution, strategy, falling apart in the final minutes of games, you know, not necessarily extracting still st- still exist. Well, <laughs> when we had those conversations, you couldn't have them without people saying, yeah, but the talent, like what's he supposed to do? The yeah, talent, the talent, the talent. We're entering the big 12 with a team that has enough talent where that's not something we need to think about anymore. We have the talent. And I will say with the caveat of Aziz Bandego and Jamil Reynolds, get their waivers because if they don't get their waivers goddamn that front court is thin so we need them to get their waivers but assuming they do this is going to be the, this is going to be the year where the ncaa it just is like shows how fucking far behind the times they are and there's like no well they have no other area to flex i don't know that the ncaa knows how to flex in any other way and so i would anticipate them denying these because it's the one area where they're like putting their foot down. We're going to tell you, you can't play. That's where we're going to really stamp down. We're not going to worry about NIL and who's using it in which way. And the fact that different States have different laws, which makes it a completely uneven and, and wacky uh, playing field. But when it comes to, you know, Jamil Reynolds transferring because his coach got fired and Aziz Bandago transferring because his coach moved out to Cal, that job looks rough now. Sorry, Mark Madsen. But this is where the NCAA puts their foot down. I hope not. Because if we get those waivers, the front court is will rival anybody in the country. It's one of the top front courts in the entire country. 
with Reynolds, with uh, Aziz, with Lockin, and Oguama. And Reynolds was not a guy that I looked at as like a game changer. But what I probably wasn't putting enough emphasis on is that being chubby is a market inefficiency. Where there's chub, there might be a rub. And I think (laughs) what Rayfeld has done with Reynolds is nothing short of a miracle. Reynolds set a program record of a 12 foot four touch point on his vertical jump, exceeding Aziz Bandego. Go look at the go look at the images of Reynolds playing I, basketball last season. That's an absurd accomplishment. It. It's a credit to Ray Felt, but it's also a credit to Reynolds. That guy sh- has shown up in Cincinnati and just worked his ass off from day one. Dude, oh my god, I I can't get over it. Uh, this is this is a squad where with the, uh, waivers pending. I actually anticipate us to be undefeated going into conference play. Non-conference is probably a crap schedule, right? It's horrible. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely trash. Yeah, probably should be. UIC, Detroit, Mercy, Eastern Washington, Northern Kentucky. Well, Grant, well you know what? I got to give Northern Kentucky respect because of last year. Um, so, fuck them. Um, that team, that you, team yeah, over there, don't Xavier, have Kentucky respect. It's not something you have. Yeah, to do. I Xavier, don't have to respect Northern Kentucky, Dayton, Merrimack, Evansville, and Georgia Tech. Yeah, Georgia Tech now coached by Damon Stoudemire. I'm saying that's an that could be undefeated heading into conference play. Should be undefeated heading into conference play. Is uh, are we pl- we're playing at Cintas this year? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Is that after Don't conference play starts? No. Do did we it's get before. the did we get the Cintas monkey off our back by uh, nasty, nasty natty, natty. Up, upsetting? Is it an upset or just beating down zip them up? That wasn't an upset. We should have beat them. That's not an upset. But is the did that like you know Man, rid ourselves of, of the bad juju and the bad spirits in that building? I'm sitting there thinking, like, all right, how many of these these uh, X, whatever, uh, what do you call them? X, X, uh, Sean Miller Stugs, that what they call them now. Uh, how many of them were like Sean Miller's? What? What are you talking about? I'm just just give them because zip them up. I know it wasn't him. It doesn't matter. My point being here yeah, is but we're how not... many of their players had to like cut their, their <laughs> professional endeavors at the moment short in order to arrive to, to the games being played. Like My point is Bearcat players are still out there doing things, not just sitting around hoping to win a million bucks. Yeah, it was, it was two Holloway and Mark Lyons that coined that phrase. And just idiots. Just idiots. You know? I, I avoid the yeah. other the other term because there's too much there's too much uh, baggage with it from years past. And frankly, as UC fans, we should. Oh, I'm trying to transition into that baggage because I want to discuss for this is for the people who stay till the end get to hear the thoughts on uh, on Coach Huggins. Oh, yeah, I want to get to that, but I do want to mention one thing on the roster. Roster looks really really excellent. Excited about skillings development. Yeah. Um, it's. I think. In, if anything, we're gonna. There's some guys who aren't gonna get minutes that want to get minutes. Uh, but C.J. Frederick, Seamus Lukosius, um, 
there's there's some talent here. There's some there's some potential shooting here. If we're short something, it could be that we're short experienced ball handling. Jizzle James is going to be a freshman. He appears to be a freak athlete. 43 inch vertical. That's insane. Um, but that is a tough ask for a freshman in the Big 12. And Day Day Thomas is a junior college point guard who's going to be playing Big 12 basketball for the first time. And those are your two primary ball handlers. Don't don't let that scare you. COVID threw off the amount of players in the game pushing people to the outsides of the sport, a.k.a. Juco. Uh, yeah. It will be fine. I'm okay with it. That is my theory. I'm sticking to it. Day Day is a diamond in the rough that's going to come in here and just absolutely shine up like a new penny. He could be, but that's still one guy. It's still one guy and you're susceptible to things like ankle rolls or injuries. And who are your other secondary ball handlers? I suspect Seamus Lukosius will be getting minutes at point guard this year. I think that his size, he won't be like a dynamic ball handler necessarily, but he's six, seven. He's thick. He's going to be able to keep people off his dribble. That's a guy who I think they're going to lean on. But outside of, outside of that, like some Frederick, maybe, He's not really a main primary ball handler. He's a, a lot of off ball. To me, that's where teams will try to exploit the Bearcats. But man, paint protection, it's there. Scoring in the paint, it's there. Drive, slashers, that's in that's there. Some shooters, we've got that too. This team's got big, big upside. And I can't wait to hype it up and set massive expectations for West Miller. But well, now let's get let's get to uh slanging after dark here. Harper wants to dive into the Huggins topic. I didn't know this was on the agenda. This excites no me. No one has more upside right now than Bob Huggins. Is there? Is there? Because he is at rock bottom. There's, <laughs> there's still meat on this bone. <laughs> I don't even know if there's really meat on it. It's just like I see so many people being like, you know, oh, like oh, we shouldn't talk about him or this and that because, like, you know, distance himself like, or distance ourselves like with him, the university in the past, and it's like. Guys, like at some point, I get it, but we owe the UC basketball program where it's even at today, where it was yesterday, to Bob Huggins. Without him, there probably is no Cincy Slang and Podcast. There is no new renovated Fifth Third Arena. There is, you know what I mean? Like there may not even be a Big 12 invite. There may not even have been a Big East invite because UC football wasn't even that great. Like, he put UC on the map in terms of a brand in terms of having any kind of small national presence of, of whatsoever, because we were dead in the seventies. We were dead in the eighties, the nineties were, we were alive. And as Coomer alluded to earlier, if you were rocking and dominating the nineties, you're a blue blood. I can't believe that the existence of the Cincy slang and podcast is one of the first things you referenced as as Bob Huggins legacy. Bob Huggins Thanks, legacy Bob. includes hey. Kenyon Martin, a national player of the year, and the Cincy Slang Bearcat Sports Podcast. Put Your some respect on that man's name. He brought us the Cincy Slanger Podcast. Can you imagine a world without one? How about the last fucking three months? What about the what about that shitty Discord? Uh, oh man, Bob! No, you know what? The, you look, the we don't. Need, there's nothing. You get the th- point. Look, the that's fandom. a perfect. It's the fandom that's there. Yeah, but the guy is also 
clearly has issues. Clearly has issues. Deep seated issues. He clearly has a God complex where there's very little accountability for action. <laughs> oh God, we need to go to the timeline. Who? It's ugly. All right. He this guy had the same <laughs> issues here. Yeah, but see, he didn't he didn't revoke with a straight face. With a straight face, my dad and I have speculated that we would watch him die on a basketball court of a heart attack to end it. That's how I thought his career was ending. But if it wasn't ending like that, it was ending drunk on the side of a highway. We knew it. No, no. Or calling in a no, no, no. fucking cunning hand. His, his, his career was over <laughs> when he told his lawyer to make a state or when he made a statement saying, I didn't resign. I'm still oh. the head coach. Oh God, I completely forgot and his this lawyer happened. has to come out with the statement saying we can no longer represent Bob Huggins. <laughs> That's the thing. Like he, the rehab thing, he was like, I'm getting out of here. I'm, I didn't quit. No, <laughs> it's sad. I, I think so, someone yeah. in our, and not in the discord chat, but in our personal group chat, put something like, would you guys want Bob back? And the way I, I think oh my, my, my response was as a booster. Sure. As a, as a, as a money, response. as money for the program. Sure. In any formal capacity, oh. we're good. We'll always, God, I wish we'll I always have the memories. And... There's nothing. There's, we don't need anything else. We'll always have the memories. Yeah. Like, and when he was, I remember this cause this, this individual, and I hope he, I hope he stays here after dark and, and mentions that we brought this up because I feel like we got, two more minutes and we can wrap this up. He's like, well, there's a large contingency of the fan base who would love it. And I'm like, I honestly don't think there is anymore. I think, I think that's been stamped out. I think we've moved on. I, I like, know it doesn't exist. Ex-girlfriends because ago. I, I know it doesn't exist anymore because our discord includes multiple people saying that West Miller is going to deliver a national championship to the Cincinnati Bearcats. And that's just because of a summer. Nobody. And I mean nobody resuscitates his reputation and image after a meh season of results like Wes Miller. He's got to deliver this season, Hummer. He's got to deliver this season. We'll talk about that more. Hey, you know, just go out there and deliver like Bob Huggins, breathalyzer, baby. High scores. <laughs> it's good to be back, buddy. Go Bearcats. Go Bearcats.